backstage pass journey. Fuck you. We went down the rivers. We crossed the plains. Over the mountains. We fought in streams. We went west. We trapped, we mined, we carved our names. With guns and axes, we sought our fame. Our destiny was manifest. And God help those who stood in the way of business, progress, and the USA. USA. So, Will, what have you learned today? Don't trust white people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, we were just teaching Will um, about uh, the splurge. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Secondhand sex toys. No, sure. it's not necessarily secondhand, but I don't know, is, is innovative the right word or just, <laughs> or just disturbing? Yep. Both. <laughs> Innovatively disturbing. Uh, so, what's, what's a splurge? Where? <clears throat> Hmm? What's a splurge? Uh, a dildo that leaves eggs inside of you. So, yeah, pretty much like a better term. Yeah. The weird part is like none of the none of the in what are the um, inseminator things. None of them look like regular dicks. They're all like alien dicks or horse dicks. Well, I mean, it's really weird because that's what it's like supposed to be an ovipositor more. I think than a, yeah. So is that like those German chocolates with the toys in, inside? <laughs> like that only. We worse, or I guess depending on your proclivities, better. So I don't you know. like you lay like a fidget spinner or a helicopter yeah, after yeah. the thing dissolves. Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know. There's a wonderful world out there of products I never want to see because they will give me nightmares, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. But I did have to see it. Oh shit! Anyway, uh, I guess uh, welcome back to how the West was fucked. How the Ah! Um, so Tony. Yes. What do you know about Olive Oatman? Not Potter Toast Man. <laughs> Quick man, cling tenaciously to my buttocks. Both of them? Uh, fucking... <sighs> I'll take a wild guess. Olive Oatman? Yeah. Uh, Baker. Invented the uh, oatmeal... Uh, Anima? Uh, no, uh, martini. Oh. oh, oatmeal martini. <laughs> oatmeal martini. Oh, olive, dirty, dirty oatmeal. <laughs> oh, mart- God damn it. Uh, okay, he invented uh, olive loaf. No. Ah, oh, fuck. First of all, he invented not being a man, or at least not. he's not a man because it's a woman. Oh, oh I was, so was going to say. I get, well, he got me on the fucking path of like he and powdered toast man and all that shit. How so. many, but many, then I thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, olive. That's olive oil. Right. Yeah. Uh, I got nothing. Have you seen Hell on Wheels? Nope. Okay, that's good too. Then you got nothing. All right. So we'll get uh, into it though. Yeah. Hell on Wheels? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't it be Hell on Hooves? We're in the we're in the Wild West, aren't well, we? Well, there's fucking trains. Oh, you're not. And wrong. what are the? We've talked about this. What are the towns that follow the train construction called? Train towns. Hell on Wheels, because uh, as the railroad progresses. The camp moves with it, and it's just full of hookers and booze oh. and murder and shit like that. So. And I, th- I seem to remember something about like those old trains would like f- like shoot out sparks and shit too, oh, yeah. and like light fucking small fires. Absolutely. Okay. Well, modern trains still do. Okay. Um, and then also we had the fun like crash at crush where they use the uh, yeah the pieces of dynamite you drive over Billy to crush. You know, 
what was the other guy's name? Or no, they called him Head On, right? That was his nickname. Yeah, uh, yeah, applied directly to the forehead, oh, Jackson yeah. or whatever. <laughs> uh, so February eighteen fifty one. Oh, so you should kick it off with your comic stance. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> PR voice. Uh, this is the Gila River. It's actually Mexico territory. It's not yet Arizona because. The Gadsden uh, purchase was two years away, and they wanted the lower quarter of Arizona to build a railroad through, so that's why we bought that from Mexico 10 years after the war or whatever it was. Did we actually pay for it, or did we just like trade them a bunch of bullets kind, kind fi- of, fired out of guns? Kind of, kind of both. Oh, okay. I think that was the price negotiation. Was yeah. more the- <laughs> <laughs> so it's seven, seven children and their parents were making their way uh, to Fort Yuma, which was brand new at the time. Is this the story of seven brides or seven daughters or seven whatever, seven brides or seven brothers or some shit? Whatever that what fucking- What the fuck? It's a fucking musical about the Old West. Yeah. Oh. It's up there with like Paint Your Wagon and shit. Okay. I think I it's a Three Stooges episode two, so. Oh, yes, same women must sob and sob and sob and fit to be tied. Every muscle was throbbing, throbbing from that riotous ride. Seems they cried and kissed and kissed and cried all over that Roman countryside. So don't forget that when you're taking a bride. Three, three mules for sister Sarah. Oh, it's seven brides for seven brothers. I think is what it's called. I, like three I only know because I was like in the pit orchestra for it in high school. I like oh. three, three mules for sister Sarah, sister Sarah with Clint Eastwood because it's a. Is that a donkey show? Uh, <laughs> no, but it's a it's a all talking it, about gangbangs. It's, it's, it's a prostitute playing the part of a nun to get safe passage through the Southwest, and the music, the theme is it Sergio Leone theme. I can't remember. Oh, I think, the ooh, ooh, ooh. No, it's wah, wah, it, wah, wah. no. Okay. That's the good, the bad, the ugly. But this I one's like that. But it's like it, it. It could be the same guy. But yeah. But it has like like during the <laughs> shit a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining that happening it's at like, the most inopportune it, time. It's two, two meals for Sister Sarah, I think. But I think yeah, she just turns out to be a sex worker running on the on the lamb, and like you know, Clint Eastwood is, Clint playing, like, is playing Clint Eastwood again. Clint Eastwood's like, oh man, this nun wants to fuck all the time. I don't <laughs> understand it. So they're halfway between Fort Yuma and Maricopa Wells, uh, which is just a little bit uh, southwest of uh, Phoenix. There, Maricopa County, where George R. Pio. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, that's why that sounds familiar. Gross. Maricopa, fuck it. Uh, along their way, they meet uh, entomologist John LeCount. So there's a bug uh, scientist yeah. out there <laughs> if for no good Picturing reason. Picturing Egon Spangler, but with some steampunk like goggles totally. and a butterfly net and a pith helmet. <laughs> so uh, he kind of warns them about uh, Indians in the area, but they still press on. Uh, they're taking a break uh, one day after climbing a hill. Of course, you got to take everything out of the wagons and drag it up the hill. Because their oh, right. oxen are pretty played out. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, just like Wesley Willis, you got to say yeah, suddenly. suddenly. Uh, Indians ride up. Uh, they're Yavapai, so they thought they were Apache at the time, they didn't though. ride up, they walked up. Oh, they probably walked up because... They're on foot. They're on foot. <laughs> 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 oh, um, maybe they did have horses because LeCount's horses were stolen before. Well, but remember what happens when the girls get... They make them run. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and the Yavapais were one of the great runners of the Southwest. Right. I don't. They never had horses. I was going to say I don't at think least they had in, horses. I think it was at other, least a lot of them. I think anyway. other kids stole the guys' horses. Probably. 
It wasn't me. I don't know why you're looking at me. I didn't fucking steal the goddamn horses. Anyway, uh, the father is Royce Oatman. He told his children and wife, don't be alarmed. The Indians won't harm you. And then uh, Royce- For we are white people and are very religious. Mm-hmm. God would never allow the red savage to sunder my family. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that, too. His full name was uh, Rolls-Royce Oatman, yes. or, or Rolled Oats for short. <laughs> Picturing Randy Quaid from like all the family vacation movies, only dressed in pioneer yeah, gear. totally. Shitter's full. Yeah. Uh, hey, basically dressed like he did in Kingpin, but acting more like Eddie. From yeah, the- yeah. <laughs> uh, so Royce invites the Yavapai to sit and have a smoke. Uh, the Yavapai asked for food, but Royce resisted. He explained in the, his best Spanish to, that if he fed him, his family would starve, but still they insisted. Uh, Royce gave him some bread, but they demanded more. Uh, the Yavapai went rubbaging through his wagon, and Royce still refused to give him food. It's probably about 19 or so uh, Yavapai there, and they kind of confer in a circle. And then it took uh, minutes for them to kill the whole family. Oh, <laughs> that got out of hand fast. <laughs> uh, they pulled knives and clubs. Uh, Royce got it first. Then they clubbed uh, 15-year-old Lorenzo, and he fell, bleeding from the ears. 14-year-old Olive fainted at the sight, but uh, she and 7-year-old Marianne would be spared. She woke and watched the Yavapai loot the dead bodies. Uh, Lorenzo kind of woke up as his boots were being taken off. So the Yavapai just threw him over a cliff. Ooh, mm-hmm. shit. And then Olive and Marianne were driven barefoot in the desert, 60 miles for four days. This is some serious, like, uh, what was a uh, fucking... Um... Cynthian Parker? Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is very... Di- well, not very different, but yet yet very distinct Yeah, yeah. from it. Um... Yeah, Quantum Parker's ma. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who starved herself because she, she wanted to go back to the Wanted to go back, yeah. Mm-hmm. We got a little bit of that, too. Yeah. So. Uh, around noon the second day, the Yavapai met a party of Comanche. One uh, one of those guys shot an arrow at Olive and hit her in the skirt, but missed. What an asshole. Damn, dude. <laughs> hey, this girl looks like she's in distress. Let me fuck with her some more. Uh, later, she learned that the man had lost a brother to a white man's attack earlier. Oh. So that's why he was mad. So he tried to shoot her with an arrow? That's racist, man. Because 14-year-old girl is the same thing as... In the Yavapai, too, if you remember from our Camp Grant uh, massacre episode, they kind of got a little bit of that. Uh, they were sitting in a, a cave somewhere uh, kind of a little north northeast of Phoenix there, and Crook came along and shot into the cave and killed a oh, whole bunch of people. Oh, God, that's yeah. right. God damn it. Boun- bouncing shit off the walls and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, the two girls get back to the Yavapai camp, and uh, they spat and threw dirt at the girls and ridiculed them. Welcome! <laughs> so now they're slaves. Good for yeah, them. Fine. So that's that's kind of an intro, but we'll, we'll get into the backstory here. But the Oatmans were Brewsterites. Have you heard of Brewsterites? Brewster, like, like followers of Punky Brewster? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Salute Moon Pride, man. <laughs> She's got it going on. Maybe the yep. world is blind. They were a Mormon offshoot, which started in 1837, after 11-year-old James Colin Brewster claimed he had divine revelations. Cool. Always so, trust an 11-year-old to guide you. Through. Well, it's 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 Tropic Thunder, like the, the fucking oh, the the militia that's led by the, the kid, kid. Only <laughs> We are Flaming Dragon. <laughs> Dama! Uh, uh, later, Joseph Smith said they're all phony because only he could talk to God. <laughs> yeah. It's a fucking... This kid's uh, full of shit, man. <laughs> Trust me. 
I saw the golden plates, man. You saw them too, right? Yeah. Uh, you saw them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Had, yep, I saw them. I had a bull weevil tell me some shit. <laughs> so with the help of his father, Brewster published a book of translations from Esdras, a figure. What? Uh, he was an uh, ancient Hebrew prophet that was talking to, to the 11-year-old kid. Oh, okay. Oh. That's his uh, Moroni or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he had predicted the world My would end Moroni. in 1878, which it did. Clearly. <laughs> uh, Brewster also didn't like the polygamy thing that Joseph Smith liked, so that's why it kind of split things too. He, what kind of fucking? Give him, give him a couple years. I was going to say, what kind of head. yeah, eleven year old that doesn't like polygamy? <laughs> got it, sure. Because <laughs> they have cooties, that's why. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brewster claimed he found a passage in Ezra's writing that he wrote uh, <laughs> that the mouth of the Colorado was a temperate, wooded, and fertile promised land. Oh, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> Not, not a, well, there's not even, the water doesn't even make it to the right. of the Colorado anymore, but. Uh, also, the Book of Mormon in 1830 claimed that there are two tribes of Indians in North America. You're talking about the musical, right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, they immigrated from Israel in 600 BC. Uh, the humble Nephites, they mm. were white and delightsome. Fuck. Mm. And the Lamanites, who guess, were guess dark what, and loathsome. I was going to say, Tony, guess what the Lamanites ah, are, are going to have bitch. to be because of this kind of narrative from this Why? time period and still somehow today. Why? Just every time, racism. <laughs> every time. It's just <laughs> fucking mind-boggling. Well, if you, uh, if, uh, you know, God turned them red for not being faithful. Oh, Jesus Christ. But once they converted, they turned white again, so that's they got that going for them. <laughs> Fuck. That's karma, like a karma, 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 chameleon. There was a the whole like lost city in Africa of like white Africans or whatever. That whole myth. There was like the Johannesburg. It was straight up like, oh, Africans used to be magic and fucking blah 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 back yeah. when they were white, and then they pissed off God, and now they're black. Oh, no, like, geez, fuck, it's almost go like fuck yourself. It's almost like some of these roots, like uh, you know, back to like you know what the elders of Zion bullshit that all turned into QAnon shit that yep. turned into all yeah. this. Current shit. What, yep. what is old is new again. Yeah. Well, it has I been mean, eternal. That's the cute on shit now is just the satanic panic of the fucking 80s and early well, 90s. Well, it is, but even that has some of its basis in the Elders of Zion oh, bullshit, anti Semitic bullshit. Absolutely. So. John Birch Society and fucking. Oh, uh, prior to that, like, we're talking. And, well, and, and the uh, witch trials, Salem witch trials, just, even that. Oh, God. Fucking assholes. Just don't believe in anything. Don't believe in exactly. Exactly. I don't even believe in atheism. I'm so hardcore. So. <laughs> I don't really eat anything that casts a shadow. That's how vegan I am. <laughs> uh, so in 1849, Brewster, he's grown up a little, so he asked his followers to follow him and start a new nation, kind of built on collectivism and no polygamy. He called it Bashan. So in February 1850, Royce Oatman decided to go to Bashan with him. Great idea, Royce. I'm sure this is going to work out swimmingly. Oh, wait. We've already known it doesn't. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Meanwhile, he's traveling around Iowa and Illinois, preaching and healing people. Oh, good. So now he's the kid from uh, There Will Be Blood once he gets his fucking religious. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So eventually he would sell his farm and close his business and go to Bashan. That's good. Good move. Yep. And then a rich guy gives him a million dollars and he has to spend it all in like 48 hours. Sell, Sell your house and go on the Freedom Trucker Convoy. Uh, so Royce was born so in Vermont in 1809. Uh, he was raised in New York, which early uh, 1800s New York was called the Burned Over District because mm. there were so many like Mormonism and Seventh Day and all sorts of weird religious shit going on at the time up there. Uh, at 19, he goes to Illinois and he meets and marries Marianne Sperry. 
Was that a fucking nursery rhyme you just yeah. said? Mason yep. Mary's, Mary and Sperry. They get on the ferry and go be merry. <laughs> they did not tarry to see their friend Larry and he didn't fly mind. away on a giant canary. <laughs> he didn't I, mind that she was hairy. <laughs> we get diarrhea when we drink dairy. Yeah. Uh, the two families intermarry, I think, like... <laughs> Two or three of their brothers and sisters marry, so. Damn it. Got to say interwed next time or I'm going to have to hit you. I'm going to summon a fucking troll or something. This is 1846. Mary Ann's parents left Illinois for their own journey west to Utah. So Royce and his father-in-law get into an argument about who should take over the Mormon church now that Joseph Smith was newly dead. Royce supported Sidney Rigdon who was Joseph Smith's running mate in his 1844 presidential bid. Oh, my God. I, I don't think he, he fared too well, though. He was also an anti-polygamist, and he was starting his own church in Pittsburgh. Very backed Brigham Young. Uh, he would uh, join the 16,000 other Mormons and head out to Salt Lake City. Go with the winning team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got whistling and whittling kids, man. You bet. And we're building Fortress Utah. <laughs> And we're not afraid to burn it all down if the army comes either. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. On the last day of his visit, Royce and Sperry get into an argument again. He predicts if uh, Sperry goes out west, this is Royce, uh, that his children would go hungry and some will starve to death and your throats will be cut ear to ear by Indians. Oh, fucking irony. <laughs> <laughs> actually, the Sperrys never make it out of Illinois because they die of illness and exposure. Or Actually, they, they die in Iowa, so they get a little ways down the road, but... No. Yeah. You can visit Skate Fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, two of their sons made it to Salt Lake City. Uh, later that year, Royce visited Ridgedon in Pennsylvania. He was turned off by Ridgedon's panic attacks and fainting spells. Yeah, that's, I mean, off-putting in what mm-hmm. you're looking for, for. So he decides to follow Brewster because... He's youthful and doesn't faint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in late 1849, Royce... Uh, Sold his farm and all his belongings for $1,500, which is just en- enough for wagons and cattle for the journey. Because that's all you need, baby. Uh, they left uh, May 6, 1850 and arrived in Independence, Missouri, the jumping off spot in to, late June. And to their credit, they didn't try to build a double-decker wagon or carry a fucking <laughs> pipe organ or any <laughs> stupid a, shit. A fucking coal fire stove in your, right. in your Conestoga wagon. But they have to wait for the Brewsters, so they wait another month and a half. Uh, they had left a cat. <laughs> behind so they had to go back for the cat what the brewsters left a cat so that oh yes like was it like a panther or something no it's cat <laughs> <laughs> mr sparkle we'll be back exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh so they're waiting there uh finally the brewsterites uh, finally assembled uh they figured out they didn't have enough supplies to make the trip so you get to buy them in uh independence for inflated, inflated prices exactly Ooh, last gas for 800 miles. You know, get your Slim Jims. Fucking, uh, what was the doctor in Independence before we left? It was like amput- amputations for $5 and teeth extracted for 25 cents or I think whatever. that's kind of everybody, everywhere that was oh, yeah. not a doctor, generally. It was, like the buffalo hunters with their poopy fingers helping yeah, yeah. give C-sections. Yeah, oh yeah, it was like, uh, it was like... Live births for three dollars, uh, but if you have twins, there's no two for ones. It's no, like six. Well, bucks. live births for three dollars, no preference, fifty cents. <laughs> <laughs> so most everybody leaves in May or June, not late July. 
Uh, Jackson Goodale was elected captain of the party. Oh, no. I'm, I'm sensing a fucking Donner Party scenario. Um, close. Uh, he was a new convert. There was about 85 to 93 people, including Brewster and his parents and five siblings. He had to get parental guidance to mm-hmm. lead his religious movement to Mom, the can I take, can I take my cult to the next <laughs> town over? <laughs> Just be back for dinner, honey. Uh, they get about 20 miles away. One family then turns back because they didn't want to share their stuff. <laughs> mm, Mormon collectivism. Mm-hmm. Another man was sent back. He was suspected of being a Salt Lake City Mormon. <gasps> Fake-ass motherfucker. Yeah. You believe in the actual fake shit that I made up, <laughs> not that guy's fake shit. So August 5th is when they actually leave, which was Holy only shit. about <laughs> almost two months later. Two months, yeah. mm, can't wait. You will and You're of course, the, die in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> of course, the guidebook said the journey would take three to four months. Of course, those were always wrong. Yeah, It'd take more like six to eight. The guidebook they got a map to the stars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, they absolutely. Well, like the one that the Donner Party had was a bullshit. Book. Oh yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta find my Colonel Marcy one because it's. I mean, it's dumb, but at least he kind of knows some. Like some of the stuff we know as modern people won't get you killed. Some of it definitely is stupid. Like. Yeah. Or if you can't buy a swamp, the humors will, you know, it's, it's, he's talking about getting malaria. Malaria's got mossy teeth, dander, and a fat butt. By camping by a swamp from fucking mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, right. By the way but he's, he's like, describing oh, is bad ridiculous. smells cause malaria. Mossy teeth, dander, and a fat butt. Right. Yeah, but, you know, like, um, like how to care for horses and mules and like, oh, if you feed a mule too much of one forage, you know, basically talking about how to vary your miles per gallon on <laughs> cool. by the feed and shit. <laughs> Ask your wife to breastfeed the mules. And also what guns and techniques are the best for killing Indians and buffaloes. But God damn it. On the Oregon Trail in 1850, cholera would kill 5,000 people. And so the trail was littered with unwanted items. I always like, like to include that. And, and graves. And sometimes your skirt would get caught in the wheel and you're pulled to your death. Tight. Then that and there's always possible Indian attacks, which right. didn't happen that often, but they're always afraid of well, them. Well, and there's probably also a good degree of, like, highwayman-type, bushwhacker-type. Mm-hmm. Uh, at first, they didn't travel on Sundays, because they're not in a hurry, and the families worshipped every night. Children would collect buffalo chips for fire. As, it's always fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Like I said, you always flip them with a stick first, because that's where scorpions like to hide under Yeah. And centipedes and shit. Uh, 100 miles into the journey, the squabbling began. Uh, Brewster proved to be a contentious and unlikable zealot. <laughs> well, 11-year-old. Well, he's not 11 anymore. Oh. He was 11 in 1837, oh. so now he's in well, his 20s. 20s still. still. Now, fuck that. He's still 11 in my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a bluff uh, in Kansas, he found stone inscribed with Indian pictographs, so he translated them. Mm. <laughs> sure. Listen to Brewster. Brewster's always right. Look, we, they wrote about me. <laughs> we use our Native American wisdom to foretell this to you. He also, along the way, gets new revelations that the promised land was not on the the mouth of the Colorado, but a little bit closer uh, on the Rio Grande near Socorro, New Mexico. There it is. Which is 600 miles closer. Yeah. We don't got to go all the way. Right. God said it's cool. (laughs) This is kind of more terrible than I thought it was going to (laughs) be. Uh, when he proposed of settling there, people objective, most uh, most of all Royce. I want to go to the mouth of the river. You said we were going to the mouth of the 
you. God said you shut your fucking mouth. We're gonna turn this goddamn wagon around. Of course, I just looked that up. Socorro means help in uh, in Spanish, I guess. Yeah. Oh, or really? That's where it gets its name. In yeah. Here. Cool. Well, it's because the Spaniard, uh, the Indians that lived there. Well, it was a uh, pueblo, and the Indians that lived there in the 1500s actually helped out some Spaniards that were dying, which proved to probably be a huge mistake. <laughs> probably. <but. laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> The guy breaks into your house and fucking cuts his cuts himself on a door jam, so you yeah. heal him up, and then he steals all your shit. Right, <laughs> kills your family. Uh, Royce was described as the main troublemaker. One of the, the his traveling companions said, uh, "We would have traded him for smallpox, mm. and the measure would have had the majority vote." Wow, that's that's a popular <laughs> dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, his son, young Roland, fell off and had his neck run over by the wagon. At least that was probably quick. He died like eight months later. No. Nope. Yeah. Royce claimed that he saved his life by blessing him, so he survives to be killed in, in a couple months. <laughs> uh, one of the other people, 19-year-old Mary Lane, died from consumption, because that has to happen. Mm-hmm. And each family donated a board from their wagons for the for the box. Yep. yep. Cool. This keeps going on. They're not going to have any wagons left. <laughs> I would have just set up a lumber yard, or actually just a coffin emporium about halfway. Yeah, there you, you go. The <laughs> chicken barge. Yep. <laughs> uh, close to Santa Fe, Royce and others simply chose not to listen to their captain, Goodale. Brewster charged Goodale being guilty of transgression uh, of the law of God and demoted him, and then puts Royce in charge. Okay, but, everybody hates Royce, but then he gets to be in charge? Only for a little while, because he starts arguing with Brewster right These away, too. These people are fucking idiots. Well, I mean, I guess that was implied. Because Brewster wants to go to Santa Fe to pick up his mail. Uh, Wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> but the route was sandy and difficult. I oh, guess he has mail waiting for him in Santa Fe. What the fuck? That's like, the only town there. So. His mail order contacts or meds? Or... <laughs> I don't know. It probably is a copy of Highlights Magazine or something since he's 11 or something. <laughs> Uh, they even take their argument to the local town mayor. He's like, I don't have anything to do with this. What the fuck are you talking? Who are you people? (laughs) (laughs) So they agree to part ways there. Uh, Oatman even offers food to people to go along with them, but most turn them down. Oh, we'll give food to the other Mormons, but we won't give it to the Indians. Mm Mm-hmm. So October 9th, 32 people followed Brewster south to Socorro, and the rest went west with Royce. But they still managed to turn up in Socorro. Uh, Olive had just turned 14 then. Horses were stolen during the night, and Royce was demoted. Because they another captain always aid. stolen during the night, every, mm-hmm. every single episode. Early November, the Oatman party made it to Socorro and met up with the other group, which must have been nice and awkward. Uh, there they cut some army hay and steal it. So, Oh, they were supposed to cut the army hay and sell it to the army, weren't they? I thought they were getting, oh, they were supposed to get paid by the army. But they I think just, they just decided just, to say forego the it. pay and just take the. <laughs> now it's beginning to snow in here and there because they got mountains to cross. And because they left way the fuck right before fall. Apaches steal oxen and horses, so the Oatmans had to leave a wagon behind with all its contents. They made it to the town of Santa Cruz. There they were in the middle of a drought and under constant attack from the Indians. Santa Cruz? Is it a different Santa Cruz? They're not yeah. in California, right? No, Arizona. Okay. No. Okay. Uh, they only had pumpkins to trade. They they implored But it Royce. is getting to be October. That's right. This one's festive. I <laughs> yeah. carved a jack-o'-lantern into it. Uh, they asked uh, Royce to stay and uh, help protect them against the Indians. Uh, Royce then rationed food to one and a half dry biscuits a day, 
They even tried to hook, cook hawks and whatever they could kill. Cook hawks? Yeah. Hawks. Cool. Well, I showed you my mountain trapper book about how do you catch hawks. I mean, I'm sure they were shooting them. Uh, where you get them to swoop down on some spears by, you put like little oh, pointy spears. You put a rabbit, put a rabbit like? in yeah, there yeah. so they swoop down and impale themselves on the That's spears. Right. I was also, my brain also thought like wood hawks. So, like, it's, they, no, it's like crab fishing for hawks. <laughs> Some rotten chicken on a fucking yep. on a stick. Uh, but one woman got sick after eating a coyote. So, yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to kill them first. Oh. Yeah, and cook them. And cook them, yeah. January, they make it to Tucson. There, the party splits again. Some wanting to wait for other people to help them next year come through. But Royce and others pressed on to Maricopa Wells. They arrived there February 5th. Uh, there they see about a 1,000 starving Indians because everybody's suffering from drought that year. So once you get past Maricopa, it was even more barren. This is western uh, Arizona. It's getting better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kit Carson said a wolf couldn't survive out there, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the Indians were pissed off too. An outlaw named John Glatton. He just takes the ferry service across the Colorado from the Yuma Indians. Uh, They retaliated and killed him and about 15 others. When he says takes, he doesn't mean like takes the ferry. He means like takes over the business. Oh, okay. That's what my brain was like, what? How dare you ride our ferry? Okay, got it. So that's why they start Fort Yuma because of that attack. But Royce wants to keep going. You know, he had met the bug uh, scientist LeCount who didn't have a problem when he came to Maricopa Wells, but when he was going back, he had his horsey stolen, so he leaves him a note, but uh, Royce never saw that note. Dear Royce, oh. don't take your family out here, dumbass. You will be robbed and killed. And and starve, probably. So more people stay at Maricopa, just uh, you know, not to starve to death out in the middle of the desert, but Royce and his family go out alone, which is a good idea. Especially, once again, kind of winter coming on. Super fucking duper. Uh, so Olive's captors weren't usually uh, raiders. They were just kind of desperate for food. They even asked for food before the attack. So, but the Yavapai on occasion did practice ceremonial cannibalism. Mm. Ceremonial? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cannibalism? Okay. Usually, uh, like a revenge kind of thing. Like, oh, okay. Yep. Uh, they had it documented a few years before they attacked, uh, I'm going to mess this up, Halchidnoma. Yep, that's Indians. a word. <laughs> They killed 20 people and took a mother and young girl and roasted the young girl uh, alive and also made the mother eat the daughter. Ah. So they're kind of, they they have an interesting and vibrant culture. Mm -hmm. Well, it was only for ceremonial purposes. Yeah, yeah. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, But it was a rare. (laughs) The meat. As a joke, man. I said, just kidding. Now eat your daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we're back to the Oatman girls as slaves. They're, of course, shocked by the Yavapai customs and their lack of clothes. Scandalous. Uh, Face tattoos were popular with them and other Southwest tribes, too. Man, they're never going to be able to get a job with shit like that, you know? No. For sure. You don't know how correct you are. Uh, they also ate grasshoppers and caterpillars when food was scarce. Because that's what you do. Dude, so, have you... It's like the Utes eating them uh, Mormon crickets. Have you ever had those... Uh, there's like a, a brand of chips you can get that are made out of... Uh, made out of crickets, yeah. I haven't tried them yet. But. They're actually good. Uh, uh, Kathy brought them down. Them. Fucking shrimp chips all the time. So what's the yeah. difference? Yeah. So the girls learned the language enough to follow orders. Uh, Marianne was often sick back in Illinois, so she's a sickly child. And still... Sh- Sick, sick out west. 
Uh, but she was still expected to work and probably was beaten every once well, in a while, they, they said. They were talking about how even little kids would come beat them when they weren't, like, working hard enough. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so, all plotted an escape, but she didn't know where to go anyway. Right. Plus, um, yeah. Uh, summer 1851, U.S. Boundary Commissioner John Russell Bartlett traveled through surveying a new border from the Mexican-American War, only three years before. Uh, he stops at Maricopa Wells and talked to the Pima and Maricopa Indians there. Uh, he asked about the girls and said there was a reward to be had if they were brought in, so people know about this. Uh, eventually, the Avapai kind of softened to the girls a little bit. I've grown tired of beating you and fucking with you constantly. <laughs> They would ask about the white world and be like, well, that's just fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Fall of 1851, the Mojave Indians come in for their annual trade run. They saw the Oatman girls and wanted to trade for them. Ooh, shiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Avapai said no, but they thought about it. They were kind of worried about Whitey getting revenge on them for that massacre. So if they sent them away, they would... Not have to worry about that. Right. Right. They don't have a... They're hiding the evidence. Yeah, they don't they're, have a... They're, they're fencing the stolen property. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? I don't know what you're talking about, man. It's the Mojave Indians. Yeah. Who did it. <laughs> so in the spring 1852, Chief Espanol of the Mojave sent his 17-year-old daughter, Topeka, with five men to the Yavapai to trade for the girls. The Mojave said they wanted to spare the girls from the cruelty of the Yavapai. So the Mojave traded two horsies. You people are terrible. Let us take these girls. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three blankets, vegetables, and beads for the girls. Damn. Then they would have to march 10 days over the desert to the Mojave camp on the Colorado. But at least at this point, Olive, at least Olive is a little better at doing this kind of shit than the first time that it happened. How, how old was she when she got uh, when four, she was captured? Fourteen. Fourteen. Yeah. And she's been in their custody for what? About a year or yeah. two years. Two years. Because they came. They came the one year, and then they came back the second year, and finally got them. Well, they see them in the fall, and then they come back in the spring. Oh, them, so. oh, so like about a year, about a year and a half. Year, yeah. year and a half. Uh, the girls thought they were alone, but they were not. Lorenzo had survived the toss over the cliff. Holy shit, really? Mm-hmm. Yep. With a little Mormon Terminator. Still yep. got no boots, man. Yeah, and he's bleeding out the ears. He couldn't really see. Uh, yeah. Do you have he, a list of all the shit that was wrong with him? Well, he said his, he was sure that his brain was loose in his skull. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've, I've been there. <laughs> and, you know, because it's 1800s medicine, yeah. You're, and your humors are all lodged in your <laughs> fucking, I don't know, ventricle or something. Sure. If they knew what a ventricle was. Right. Yep. I, I'm all out of black pile. I, I got nothing. So he crawls up and sees his family murdered, which is always nice. And then he crawls back towards Maricopa Wells. Uh, next day, he supports himself with a stick he made and made it 15 miles. He made the stick. Mm-hmm. Behold, I work miracles. He just has like fucking 12 like crusty jack-off socks that he like welds together yep. and makes a stick out of them. <laughs> One time he passed out and woke up woke up and found himself surrounded by wolves. Which is always nice. Which one of you wants to fucking dance, bitch? <laughs> he yelled and threw a rock, driving them off, uh, but they still kept following him until midnight. Oh, yeah. Uh, just kept chucking rocks at wolves. Well, I mean, they... You know, it's like circling vultures. They're like, well, eventually. Eventually, he'll give up. Actually, this is like, uh, what's that fucking movie, uh, Howie Mandel? Um, Walk Like a Man? I don't know. Where he gets raised by wolves? Okay. 
He gets like as a baby. The he gets, fucking Jungle Book. No, he gets left in the fucking woods and he gets raised by wolves. And no. then he, some family finds him and takes him in. And he's like running around Feral. on all fours, like like sniffing people's butts and shit. Yeah. You never seen that movie? No. Wow, I think it's called Walk Like a that's Man. That's a new one. It's more like the Gray. Only the wolves are not fictionalized, so they're not bloodthirsty <laughs> trying to kill. They're humans. not twelve feet tall. Well, that and there's very, very, very at least in the North American continent, very, very, very seldom, if at all, is it recorded that wolves will attack and prey on. Yeah, walk like a man. Humans walk like a man. 1987. Um, Howie Mandel is the family dog, a faithful friend, a happy helper, and a delicious side dish. There have been many shaggy dog stories, but none more amazing than the story of Bobo. 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 Discovered in the wilderness. <gasps> Where have you been for the last 28 years? I was beginning to get worried. He was raised by wolves. 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 <laughs> Returned to a world he doesn't understand. I want to sign him up for tennis lessons. Driven by primitive instincts. I have to go potty. With the proper teaching, Bobo could take his place in society. On the brink of inheriting a huge fortune. No sibling jealousy on your part? What? Benji, have you seen Bobo? And now, victim to his brother's schemes. Once your brother puts his signature on these papers, he'll sign over all rights to his inheritance to you. Oh. Or will this dog outsmart his master and start acting like a man? Christopher Lloyd. All that money, what's he gonna spend it on? Kibble? Colleen Camp. Cloris Leachman. We will neuter a cat in your name. And Howie Mandel as Bobo. Oh, my in Walk Like a Man. Oh, I was still wondering if you had Hot to Trot on, on VHS. Or I don't have it on VHS. I have I have it downloaded. Oh, okay. So I can Dropbox it to you if you oh, want. Well, you don't have to go through all that trouble. That was my favorite movie when I was 10 or whatever. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I was into talking horses for a while. Fucking Hot to Trot. <laughs> Shitty Mr. Ed. I will say it's pretty weird seeing um, Bobcat, Goldway. Bobcat Goldway like not being that character mm. you know what I mean? just at being a regular ass person it was like that in uh boogie nights where he was a coke dealer mm. or like scrooge and he just talks at like first until he gets fired oh yeah that's yeah god i love that movie that's like my favorite christmas movie let me tell you a story about a little fat boy that nobody loved and that all the other kids they used to make fun of him and they would pick on him and then, and, then, and then they used to say that he talked funny and stuff. And he had a, and he had a twin brother. And everybody, and, and, and everybody said that he didn't look anything like his twin brother. But, but he wanted to. Egg, were you the little fat boy? No, no, but, but I used to like to beat him up. You know, I'd grab my go, why are you so fat? Why are you so fat? And I'd beat the shit out of him. So two days without food, uh, Lorenzo thought of carving up his arms and eating them. <laughs> You're going to need those, Lorenzo. Yep. At noon, he was slurping water from a canyon floor when he heard two horsies ride up. It was two Pima Indians with their bows drawn, but they remembered uh, him from a couple of days before passing through. And I'm... You know, bow is drawn, then they see this half-dead thing that, you know, poses mm-hmm. no threat. 
So they'd take him back to Maricopa Wells. Uh, the other families that stayed there went back to bury the dead, but the coyotes were already chewing on them. Well, of course. Um, they didn't have shovels, so they just put rocks over everybody. Uh, Lorenzo had a fever and rested a week and recovered, kind of, enough to g- move on. Uh, the rest of the party wanted to get to California, but they needed protection, so they met seven army deserters who were headed west to go oh. to the gold fields. You can't tr- who can you trust if not army deserters? So they go with the army deserters, and Lorenzo had to pass by the massacre scene again. Oh, God. But they make it to Fort Yuma March 31st. Uh, of course, we said Fort Yuma was just new there. Uh, they just started it after the massacre there. It already had an attitude problem, the whole place. Yep. Uh, its commander was a dick named Samuel P. Henselman. Who, is that the guy that really hates the entomologist? Mm-hmm. Calls him bugs? Yep. Fucking bugs walking around here with his stupid hobby. Wait, he, call, he calls entomologists bugs? Yes. Oh, sweet. Fucking bugs from New York City over here, thinking he's all cool. Uh, he was a short West Point graduate who served during the Mexican-American oh, there, War. There's a problem right there. And later became a major general in the Civil War. But uh, he didn't want to be there, but he made extra money from running the ferry service. Mm-hmm. Which Oh, because yeah, didn't he take it over from the guy that stole it or mm-hmm. whatever? Well, the guy who stole it was killed. Well, so that's why he stole then it. Then he took it. But I'm just <laughs> saying, he, he got it through nefarious means anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, he clashed with the fort surgeon named Dr. Henry Hewitt. Uh, he proposed letting the men not wear their heavy blue uniforms out in the 100-degree heat. <laughs> Fuck what you. A, what a medical asshole you <laughs> <Right>. are. <laughs> he also wanted to put roofs on the barracks. Yeah. He requested that they put roofs on the fucking housing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he wa- actually wanted a proper hospital, too. Actually, uh, Hewitt was friends with Dr. Bugs, too. Yeah. Yep. And he really didn't like Dr. Bugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Henselman received a letter from Royce before the attack asking for help and crossing the desert there, but ignored it. He finally did send out two men who found the massacre scene. Then he sends a report to San Diego, which was the headquarters, saying it was too late to send a pursuing force, and besides that, they were in Mexico anyway. Hewitt filed charges on Henselman for not sending out people. (laughs) (laughs) So this is all going on. Henselman believed Royce got what was coming to him, which he kind of did. Right, but that's not your job to ascertain as a servant of the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then, surprise to him, Lorenzo came riding in. It's like, ooh, I guess we do have survivors. Oh, shit. (laughs) This is is a bad look. (laughs) (laughs) So, Henselman uh, allows the other uh, Mormons passing through to camp near the fort and kind of stay there so they can grow little crops and leave once they're done there. But Lorenzo went to the fort hospital to recover some more. I love that shit. Instead of, like, you know, stopping at the truck stop, picking up some Boston baked beans and filling your gas and stuff like that, you just got to stop and grow crops before you can <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> got to make your own Slim Jims and right. shit. So they move on to California. Uh, Lorenzo stays behind under Doc Hewitt's care, though. But by mid-June, Hewitt finally was fed up with the fort and uh, uh, Commander Henselman. He goes to San Francisco to open a private practice and took Lorenzo with him. Uh, Henry Grinnell, the Fort Carpenter, promised Lorenzo that he'd help find his sisters and help get them back. So five years later, Lorenzo would thank him for doing that. Marianne and Olive made it uh, to the Mojave Village along the Colorado there. 
the tribe's name was Aha Makov, or mean along the river. Krav Maga. They were taken to the chief's home. Uh, 10 by 10 log structure with a wolf. Uh, r- wolf. <laughs> with, with a, a wolf. wolf. No. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the wolf lodge. No. A roof, which is similar to the word wolf. wolf. Yeah. <laughs> 10 by 10. I like how it's a 10 by 10 square. 10 so, by 10 square wolf. Well, and this is the chief's lodge. Bang. Oh. 10, 10 feet by 10 Damn, feet. Just dude. spacious. What are you going to do with all that space? Put a put corn in there. Yeah. <laughs> this is along the Mojave, so there are a few cottonwoods, but once yeah. you get... 10 yards away from the river, you're, right. you're nothing. Well, yeah. that and cottonwood's very easy to split and build with, mm-hmm. especially with no metal tools. I feel like you're being facetious. It's just uh, this time they get warm, uh, uh, they embrace them, and they held a dance for I, the girls. I, I know it's weird, but in my head, it just, when I was reading that section of the book, it reminds me of the fucking, like, you know, like the tourist videos of when people show up for luau's in Hawaii. Like oh, picture okay. of that kind of shit. <laughs> I don't think it was that extravagant, <laughs> but but the Mojave Indians mostly avoided interaction with Whitey. That's why they're doing okay. <laughs> In 1776, Father Garces of Spain uh, visited them and built missions further south, where the Quichens or the Yuma Indians lived. They killed them when the Spanish tried to take their land. They went undisturbed till Jed Smith uh, and. Kit Carson came to trap. Uh, they actually attacked Jed Smith when he was crossing the river to go to California for the second time and kill half his guys. Right. But he might have been put up to that by by the uh, Mexicans at the time. Right. But uh, the Mojave didn't really appreciate all the trapping of beaver because no. they were, uh, you know, kind of revered the yeah. beaver. But possibly the Mojave saw the girls as curiosities. Maybe they saw what was happening with the Quechans down in Yuma being driven off their land. Uh, maybe if they treated the girls well, they could use them as leverage in dealing with Whitey someday. Right. And maybe Whitey would treat them well if they treated the girls well. It almost seems like a plan that might work, except for they know nothing about Whitey. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, the Mojaves were described as good looking, tall and athletic. Yeah. Mostly vegetarian because they grow crops along the river there. Uh, hair was cropped at the forehead and braids in the back, which was a sweet-ass mullet. Fucking, I was going to say Wednesday Adams. <laughs> uh, so the Colorado would flood every year before all the dams and nourish the soil, and the Mojave would plant it, and it would come up quick in the hot heat. In bad years, they relied on roots and hard-to-get-to mesquite beans. Yeah. Mm. Mesquite and, beans? Yeah. Isn't mesquite like a type of wood? Yeah. But they may, it makes beans? Yeah, well, castor trees make castor beans. Cool. And, All right. Uh, what's the other? I mean, yeah, some some seed pods on some trees could be described as bean-like. Not okay. everything is a fruit. All right. Um, but um, it is described in the book, like, how the Mojave plant, they're not doing, like, necessarily, like, row crops. It just kind of like, oh, this is going here. This is going here. This is going here. Like, just kind of like wherever they figure the soil might be. Adequate, sure, yeah, and just yeah. kind of like, you know, yeah, it's agriculture, but it's not, I guess, like European agriculture, and that's one thing that sticks in Olive's craw, kind of. It's like, oh my god, you guys could make so much more food if you just put Blind. things in rows, yeah. and you know, that's like, uh, there's a, a agriculturalist guy in uh, Japan. He's like this old dude, and he's got his own way of like 
like he's like biodiversity is, is best if you want to grow a, a bunch of shit. So right. his, his backyard, he takes like whatever seed he wants to grow and he rolls it up in a little ball of like soil, like mud kind of, and just kind of goes funk and like hucks it. Right. And wherever it lands, that's where it grows. Well, I know in some some tribal community, I think even the Mandan Dadatsa did that shit where um you grow your corn right and then you grow like beans and stuff that needs a trellis. So oh, it, it grows, grows, up, it grows the up the corn, oh, and then okay. you have a squash around the bottom that have spi- you know they and pumpkins and shit they have kind of spiky uh, vines. Yeah, that l- keeps animals away kind of from the corn stalks. Oh, cool! And plus the beans and shit fix nitrogen to the soil. You know, yeah. But you have it all kind of in one. Well, yeah, that's harder to harvest if you're trying to like mass harvest shit. Yeah. But you know, but if it's for it you, works fine for your village of like eighteen people or whatever. Oh like, no, they've been villages of hundreds of people. Yeah. But. So the Mojaves were free sexually, at yeah. least compared to Whitey back in the day. What? But, and they're athletic, but too. So I, I imagine them going off the top rope like Macho Man Randy Savage all the time <laughs> and, and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, girls had sex right after they began uh, menstruating. Uh, it's possible Olive wasn't initially touched since she was white, and the Mojave prided themselves on racial hygiene. And other races might cause illness if they fucked. Mm-hmm. Racial hygiene. I do not that, like that. That's not a good words. <laughs> but since eventually Olive was given a clan name and therefore was considered fully Mojave, you she said, mostly you was... You just said racial hygiene and clan in two sentences. Yeah, to clarify. bad news. <laughs> so more than likely she did it. That was kind of the big thing back once he came back from the tribe, he's like, oh, did they rape her? <gasps> we can't oh, We can't have you or, back. Or, or, can't, or did she have consensual mm-hmm. sex with a non-white, you know, because yeah. once again, racial hygiene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the Mojaves had uh, cool nicknames like Big Cock and Cock with Blue Head or Good Fucker. <laughs> really? Yep. yep. <laughs> uh, one Mojave woman's name was Charcoal Testicle. Because she fucked so hard it started a fire on the balls, I guess. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. <laughs> uh, Olive was known as Spansta, which which translates to what? I can't remember. Something with, like, s- smelly vagina? Uh, rotten vagina or sore vagina. Oh. <laughs> so she might have been menstruating when she got there, kind of wrapped in rags. Which the Mojave would have thought would have been gross because yeah, they would bathe in gotta, the river every day. Yeah, you free f- free bleed and wash your crotch. Damn, dude. But if it meant sore vagina, it meant that she was sexually active and was sore from all the fucking, so one or the other. Damn. But it probably wasn't a hurtful nickname because the Mojaves, if they wanted to diss you, they'd be you know, more about dead relatives and stuff like right. that. And she was given a clan name, which meant you're part of the tribe. So, mm-hmm. uh, children were showered with affection and were never hit. That's part of the why Indians are better than white people. Well, at least this particular group. <laughs> uh, they were taught generosity. The Mojave wore chin tattoos like the Yavapai. Oh, well, now we got to wipe them out, though. Mm-hmm. Look the generosity. In <laughs> Uh, without one, you would end up in a rat hole instead of going seeing your loved ones. Well, that was death. mostly the women. Well, I think the women were the main ones that got the chin tattoos because they had to do that for the afterlife. Was my understanding for what oh. I read. Uh, so they're tattooed with a cactus prick and pulverized blue stone from the river. Whoa! So all becomes the first known white woman to have tattoos. Oh shit! She got tatted up too, huh? 
Uh, uh, the first white think? tattoo st- uh, artist started in 1848 in New York City. Oh, there's what I was looking for. Oh, shit. That's why we asked if you, uh, if you saw Hell on Wheels, because there's a character that Has stole. Has the same tattoo. Yeah. Although she's got a, A, she was supposed to be from the Comanche, who I don't think did that. No. And then also. Whoa, was... this is such a cool fucking photo. So th- I'm looking at the cover of the book that uh, these guys base their research, research on. on. But it's called The Blue Tattoo, The Life of Olive Oatman. By? Margo Mifflin. Yeah. Pretty good book. Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. It's always... I know uh wasn't one of the other like previous persons that wrote about Olive Oatman was, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? The guy that's pretty much responsible for creating uh, Raylan Givens, like, from, like, Justified. From oh, the, Elmore Mar- Leonard? Yeah, Elmore Leonard. Yeah, he, he borrowed, wrote a story about somebody similar to that. I can't quite remember. I think it was a sh- short story. Well, he also, he, he's in the forward of your praising this book. Mm-hmm. So. so Marianne was always a sickly child. Uh, the summer of 1853, uh, that was their second year with the Mojave. She was chronically sick. Uh, early 1854, Lieutenant Emil Weeks Whipple. What? Emil Weeks Whipple? Emil Weeks Whipple. Oh, Emil. I was hearing Meal. Like M-E-A-L. Like, that's, that's not the name. <laughs> uh, he was sent out west to map a route from the Mississippi to the Pacific for the railroad. Have fun with that shit. Uh, he later fought and died during the Civil War. Have fun with that shit. Uh, Whipple was also an amateur anthologist and liked ethnology. Oh, ethnology. Oh, ethnologist. I, heard, I heard anthologist. I heard the same thing. It's like he listens to every compilation. Right. <laughs> like what? CD ever. Splain, Lucy. Uh, he would also send uh, information back to the new Smithsonian. Mm. Uh, February, Whipple met with the Mojave just south of their village. Uh so the Mojave women were delighted to see the white man's beards. Well, they made fucking fun of them. They're, look at your beard, like making <laughs> making finger beards. and. Oh, Jesus. Well, they well, thought they were talking vaginas. Yeah, because it pu- looks like pubic hair. <laughs> All right. So. Uh, so basically they have a survey crew camping right by the village, but they never saw the Oatman girls. In Olive's biography, she made no mention of, uh, of Whitey's visit. So they're either hidden away or just didn't bother to escape, which is the more likely. They didn't know that their brother had survived, though. Um, so they're basically fully assimilated in the tribe. They don't want anything to do with getting rescued. Yeah. Uh, the Mojave guided Whipple to the Pacific and asked him to write a letter saying that they, uh, they had treated him kindly. Yeah, yeah. Leather recommendation for, yeah, yeah. for non-genocide. Sure. <laughs> Uh, but of course, the opening of the road. Actually, they had the road first, and then the railroad. Uh, One would hope. Yep. Yeah. But uh, soon that would be the end of the tribe once you get Whitey rolling in. Yeah. Uh, the Mojaves were friends with the Quechans and the Yavapais, but enemies of the Pimas, Maricopas, and Cocopas. Cocopas. <laughs> At the Cocopa. <laughs> Uh, spring 1854, the Quechans asked him to go on the warpath with them and get revenge on the Cocopas. Uh, the Mojave knew that the soldiers at Fort Yuma might punish him for doing that. But Irritaba, the war chief, relented and helped his friends. The Mojave opposed the attack. They actually were, they allowed their women to speak, which is frightening. Mm. That's why they're savages. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
But the warriors come back, having killed three Kokopas and took two women captives. Uh, the Mojaves lost no men, though. The Mojaves hoped that intermarrying these two women, that the tribes would have peace, which ended up to be true. Ooh, wow. cool. Yeah, it's a simpler time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the Mojave run of good luck was about to change because the crops of 1855 were poor. Uh, spring drought failed to flood the farmland along the Colorado. Uh, so the mesquite uh, bush mush wonder became their only food. How much, like, having beavers getting trapped out, you know, and not setting up dams anymore might have had to do with that. Oh, that too. yeah. Uh, so they had to go look for food. Uh, they look for a mesquite-like bush that had tasty orange berries. Mm, except for? They were poison. Oh, shit. <laughs> Whoops. I, was, I, I didn't get that shit because, like, you would think the Mojaves would know better. It's like they've been living there for millennia. Like, yeah. Hey, oh, no, these are great. Or at least, well, at least I heard they are. You ever tried them? Well, <laughs> nah, but I know a guy that. I mean, it would kind of make sense if, like, they've they've never had to go that far. You know what I mean? To like to look, seek them out, and then you know nobody's eating them in yeah, like, but hundreds of years. Uh, yeah, at least just it's just like we're starving. Like, fuck it, we'll get take like a- get like a sick old man to try them right. or something. Like <laughs> feed them to, feed your your to a dog, dog or something. Yeah. So Olive goes looking for them, uh, but Marianne stays behind because she's too weak. She's already starving. Uh, but three people died from eating them. Uh, when Olive got back, Marianne was in pretty bad shape. Uh, lots of children were dying from starvation. And she dies several days later. Uh, the Mojave allowed Olive to bury her instead of the cremation, which was the right. Mojave tradition. One, who was the lady that was helping her out and actually kind of... Uh, that was her adopted mother. I forgot her name. Somewhere I have it here. But anyway, Olive gets saved by her adopted mother who squirreled right. away some food and, and gave it to her. Uh, that's the only reason we know about that. Anyway, in the meantime, Lorenzo is in San Francisco. He worked for a wholesaler, but hurt his back, so he went to work for Amazon, and they wouldn't let him take a piss break. So <laughs> Then uh, Dr. Hewitt moved back east to be with his family, so no, now Lorenzo is orphaned again. They're all orphans like us. I didn't know you had a father. I thought we are all orphans. He was underage and barely literate and broke. Uh, he worked uh, odd jobs and then moved to El Monte, which was the first white settlement in California. Or I guess white only settlement. <laughs> I don't know if it was. Uh, it was probably uh, it was on the road between San Bernardino and L.A. That's where a lot of Mormons ended up. Oh, I think the mom, the, mo- the adopted mom's name is Espanol. Oh no, that was the the chief's name. Nope, that's Espanola. Oh, okay, close <laughs> enough. Espanola. This is A E S P A N E O. Oh, okay. Wow. Because she's crying very much <laughs> about stuff. Uh, either way, their old neighbors, the Thompsons, had opened a hotel there, and other Brewsterites were close by, so you can. Reminisce about. <laughs> jump back on that shit train. In El Monte, Lorenzo saw a letter that his uncle wrote to him, his mom's brother, asking about the family. Hey, how you doing? Uh, he wrote to his uncle but declined going back to Illinois um, to go live there. He was set on finding his sisters. Oh, and, yeah, it should be noted at this point, it, they published some of his like, letters 
and you know the lack of education this poor kid had plus head trauma boy his spelling is wow mm. oh he's like mountain man oh level? It's, it's fucked <laughs> like I, it's hard to make out what he's saying half the time yeah so he's writing letters to fort human asking for help and then the california government summer of 1854 henselman was replaced by major george henry thomas who is a little more receptive on finding the girls he promised to look, but backed out with some excuse. So, so they're, they're still looking for these girls, and it's been what? Well, like, they're they're saying they're looking for these girls, but nobody's, nobody's really looking that hard. Well, you know, it's hot. Well, I, just I don't have after, a roof on my barracks. It's and, been at least a couple of years at this point, yeah? Yeah, well, and that's the thing is that everybody's like, oh, they're fucking dead anyway. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, totally. Spring 1855, a German-Mexican named Frederico Ronstadt yeah. reported a Major Thomas that the Oatman girls were with the Mojave. Still... Thomas did nothing. Linda Rodstadt's great, great, great I was great just going to say. Yeah. Lorenzo wrote the legislator, uh, legislature and no response either. In late 1855, Lorenzo joined a prospecting expedition into the Mojave Desert, but they found no gold or no sisters. <laughs> Were they panning for panning the sisters, for sisters in the right place? <laughs> Early 1856, a California rancher named Duff Weaver wrote to Lorenzo saying there's a white lady living with the Mojave. <gasps> Scandalous. Duff Weaver is definitely a cowboy-ass name. Oh, fucking mm-hmm. A, all the way. Some tough Hedeman shit right there. <laughs> uh, he said that the new Fort Yuma commander, Martin Burke, refused to trade her for a few blankets. <laughs> this is what the L.A. Star uh, said. That's where the scandal is, like, what? <laughs> he also claimed the girl was married to the chief. Which uh, is bullshit. The story was bullshit, but at least it brought up an investigation. Uh, I'm going to go investigate the shit out of those Mojaves. Grab your rifles, boys. Yeah, right. Colonel George Newman was sent to Fort Yuma and found out that Burke never refused to trade for the girls. And he found out that one of the girls had died. Uh, He sent word to the tribes that he would pay ransom for the remaining girl. So Francisco was a Quechan known to the fort. Uh, He approached the carpenter Henry Grinnell and they hatched a ransom plan. Uh, Grinnell told Francisco that five million men would surround the Indians and kill them if they didn't get uh, all of back. Five million? Yeah, he's kind of bullshitting on it. <laughs> then we're going to nuke you from space. Yeah, right. <laughs> they just said paint some sticks fucking gray and yeah. prop them up in the bushes. <laughs> we have you surrounded. Uh, Francisco said, give me four blankets and some beads and I'll get all back within 20 days. Yeah, without your bullshit threatening. <laughs> <laughs> So Burke, the commander there, issued Francisco a travel pass. In the pass, he used Olive's Mojave nickname. Did you just say he needed to issue him a travel pass, you know, and infringe on his freedoms to... (laughs) (laughs) But this is unprecedented, these vaccine passports that don't exist. (laughs) So in the travel pass, he used Olive's Mojave nickname, Spansta. Which or means, rotten vagina. Which means, yeah, Sour Patch. <laughs> Not going to be able to eat those anymore. <laughs> uh, so days later, Olive was uh, approached by a boy. He told her Francisco was on his way to get her. I like how words just travels. All, it's mm-hmm. like, this has been just common knowledge forever. And, yeah. So she thought it was just a rumor, but uh, later Espanol calls a meeting, which lasted two days. He wants Olive to stay because she was family. Uh, other Mojaves and Francisco convinced him to trade her, though, for two horses, blankets, and beads. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And also, once again, they're probably heavily hoping that giving her back would get them not 
ass fucked by the might of right. the United States Army, mm-hmm. which is probably true. Uh, Topeka, the, her I guess it's her sister, sister now, right? Went with to ease the transition and and to translate, and also good old Uncle Muskmelon. Oh yes, Don't, he comes in later too. Oh, what Muskmelon? They have a friend named Muskmelon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Topeka's brother was mad to see her leave. Uh, some think Olive might have been married to him, <gasps> but Olive would never admit to it because that would not be really cool. get her ostracized more mm-hmm. than her face tattoos and the fact that uh, she lived with Indians. So Yuma is hot. Yep. Uh, legend was that a soldier who died and went to hell found it too cold and went back to Yuma for a blanket. Uh, At Yuma was a madam named the Great Western. Yep. The Great Western? (laughs) Yep. It's a fucking buffet. Well, she's like big. Okay. Like a woman of stature. Okay. Burliness. Sure. Mm -hmm. She actually gets a full, well, we'll get to that in a bit. Uh, now so, I'm imagining fucking T-Rex. No, uh, no, not like that. Oh, More okay. like, um, like Slimestra Hyman, like Xena style. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so all like was China only yeah, red, China. redheaded. What is she? A Scottish woman, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that was a weird porno. Yeah, China. I always have to bring that up. Why can't you talk about Ninja Three: The Domination? <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly five years after the massacre that all of is back in Whitey World. Hmm, Whitey World. Oh, and, well, and the transition to Whitey World was weird because, you know, she was topless and wearing a bark skirt. Mm-hmm. That's why you had, and, she had and Somebody getting, had to run ahead and get a dress for her before she could come in. There was a, it was a degree of crying and mm-hmm. madness. Uh, she was told that Lorenzo was still alive. Uh, she was stunned and had to lay down. Uh, so Commander Burke said he would tell Lorenzo, and he sent word to the L.A. Star. And it takes a week for the story to get to Lorenzo, but soon the story spread through the whole country. Uh, Olive stayed at the fort two weeks, and uh, she was taken care of by Sarah Bowman. That was the six-foot-tall, 44-year-old Irish woman from the oh, south. Irish. Named after the large steamship that crossed the Atlantic. That's yeah, the Great West. <laughs> she was the heroine of Fort Brown during the Mexican-American War, feeding and nursing the soldiers during the siege. Uh, years later, she received a full military burial. She also had a scar on her cheek from the Mexican-American War, and she said she killed the Mexican who cut her. Which was probably, I mean, could be the case. Yeah. The transition must have been tough. Yuma was a shithole, and hanging out with the uh, working women was probably a little bizarre because that wasn't... Something you did in Mojave culture, either. Well, and pretty much in that area, like the only the only women around are the officers' wives. They're going to want nothing to do with you, most yeah. likely, and just talk about you behind your back. And the prostitutes, and then the, yeah, the madam who, yeah, is probably the best off for her because she's armed to the fucking teeth and will yeah. beat a man. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, nobody speaks Mojave, and she has to relearn English yep. too. Oh shit, dude! Mm-hmm. This so fucking sucks. So it's Nell. Yeah. Chick <laughs> So Lorenzo's out chopping wood when a friend rode up with a copy of the LA Star. Uh, he's dead. Mm-hmm. He jumped on a horse and rode uh, into LA to the paper where he sees the letter. Uh, and then in, 10 days later, they're reunited in Yuma. After two days, they left for El Monte. Uh, when the, they were leaving, uh, Muskmelon comes up to say oh, goodbye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Lorenzo tries to kill him. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's. 
he's not into natives anymore yep. after yeah. his experience. So Olive tells him that he's a friend, and Lorenzo gave him some crackers as a peace offering. There you go. Mm-hmm. Sorry I tried to club you to death. Here's some crackers. So within a month, Olive was the media darling. She was called beautiful in the papers, despite the tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had to assure the paper she had not been made a wife, quote-unquote, raped. In El Monte, Olive moved in with the Thompsons. Uh, April 19th, 1856, she gave an interview for the L.A. Star. Despite criticizing their farming methods, she had nothing but good things to say about the Mojave, how the Mojave mother saved her life and all that good stuff. She said the Mojave said that she was always free to go and that settlements were nearby, but she didn't, she didn't know the way and she never left. Uh, they wouldn't take her because they feared retribution. Right. That's got to be a tough line to walk, man, because she's like, if I if I say too many good things about living there, then they're, they're going to be like, oh, oh, you're an Indian lover, you yeah, fucking right, dumb right, bitch. Right. Or if I say like, you know, you got to, yeah, God damn it, dude. That would be that would be tough. Mm-hmm. Tough tread. Yeah. She didn't want to tell the white papers that she stayed because she wanted to. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, Susan- especially that would break her brother's fucking heart mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Susan Thompson. He already has a broken heart. Well, she also leg, thought he was fucking head. dead. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> uh, Susan Thompson said with her time in El Monte that she was a grieving, unsatisfied woman and who somehow shook one's belief in civilization. Oh. And said that she was more savage than civilized. How dare you question the tenets of capitalism mm-hmm. and Christianity? Uh, they get a visitor in early June. It's Olive's cousin from Oregon named Harvey Oatman. That they'd never met before, so. Mm-hmm. Which kind of. Makes you skeptical. Yep. Uh, I'm your long-lost oh, cousin from Oregon. Okay, yeah. It's like like when. Uh, I run a traveling circus. When you yeah. win the lottery or something, and all, all of a sudden you have all these cousins you never knew right, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. From the makers of Bronson Swinger brand Turtle Wax comes Bronson Swinger brand Horse Wax. Is your Appaloosa all dull and gray? Spruce her up with Bronson Swinger brand Horse Wax. Fix that faded mane right up and make your horsey shine and look brand new. Anti-rust protection included. That's Bronson Swinger brand Horse Wax. Buy it today. Now available in Donkey. So early June, Olive's cousin from Oregon, Harvey Oatman, shows up uh, for a visit. He uh, had a hotel in Gasburg, Oregon. Gasburg? Gaslighting. It's just like when you freeze a bunch of gasoline and it's like a giant iceberg of gas. How mm. cold do you have to get it to freeze gasoline? Quite. Yeah, you can gel it. <laughs> Quite. Uh... Later, they changed the town name to Phoenix, which is near Medford, and there's a uh, Home Depot there now. (laughs) (laughs) Is that? Okay. So Harvey invites the other Oatmans to move to Gasburg. Uh, He has a brother. Harvey has a brother back in in Gasburg. He was earlier attacked by the Rogue River Indians and nearly killed, so that might have inspired him to reach out to his cousins, plus their... In order, Famous. F- in order for gasoline to freeze, it needs to be held at temperatures around negative 100 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, wow. So there you go. That's pretty close to a Klondike, so, yeah. Uh, so the Thompsons worried that the cousin would use Olive for a story, which wasn't quite true. Which I worried about that, too, upon reading about the cousin. Yep. 
but the Methodist minister in Gasberg would. Yay! Yay! So, because uh, Cousin Harvey had a house uh, full of wife and children's. And their full other, of wife. Full of wife and children's. <laughs> and their other cousin, Harrison, lived in a dump. So, Like literally? Yep. Like Ricky's dad? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Way of the road, Rick. Lost all the liquor money, boys. What? That's the way she goes. That's the way she goes? That's right. That's the way she goes. That's what I said. So Olive and Lorenzo moved into Stephen Taylor, the Methodist minister's house. They would work at the hotel of their cousin there. Olive learned to read and write again, but she was miserable. Because she's living with a Methodist minister. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She never had any children after her ransom. It's possible that she was barren, and that's why there's no mixed-race Mojaves left behind. So that's the other thing. Also, I, I threw this in just because it's 1850s Oregon. Got to remind everybody it was illegal to be black. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Whites only state. Yep. Yep. Yeah, progressive Oregon. <laughs> Tolerant Oregon! Uh, her cousins weren't religious, but all have started going to church. Uh, there she meets a traveling Methodist minister named Royal Byron Stratton. You say Roy or Royal? Royal. Like the Royal Tendenbaums? Yeah. He was tall, fine-boned, and silver-tongued. Says the book. Because he's a fucking preacher. Because he's huffing like silver spray paint. No, because he's covered in paint. He's a lying fuck. Yeah. And he would go on to publish the Oatman story. Uh, Lorenzo actually asked him to write their story because he couldn't. Yeah, because he writes like a <laughs> chimpanzee. Fell bad. Yeah. Hurt, hurt head. Yep. <laughs> Indian no like. So Stratton omitted, exaggerated, and made shit up in order to make something uh, at once pious and titillating at the same time right. for their he, audience. He tried to like uh, kind of turn things into like Bible parables, but also make it like oh, Dear God. Penthouse Forum, you'll never believe it happened to me, yeah, plus yeah, Soldier yeah. of Fortune fucking oh, bullshit. Oh, Jesus Christ. And, and leave out all the crazy Mormon stuff, yes. too. Yep. Oh, yeah, because he didn't want to promote Mormonism. Because <laughs> the church was publishing it in order to fund other projects. Like um, converting Indians to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, uh, basically, Stratton's version differed from what Olive said in her interview with the pal- uh, paper there. They so were brutal to me, and they gave me noogies all the time and swirlies. And she, like, tells him, she gets halfway through the story, he's like, okay, that's enough, yeah, yeah. I'll figure out the rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Royce, they made, a, or Stratton said Royce had to injure back, that's what made him go out west. Mm, nope. And it was the hand of God, not her Mojave mother, that kept her from starving. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, throwing in plenty racial slurs, all of it would have never used to. Well, and kind of describing the Mojave mother as if it was like Coco the gorilla taking care of a kitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Even her brute, her, you know, her savage breast beat the heart of a mother and blah, blah, blah. Oh, God damn it. Also so, uses the word throbbing a lot. Yep. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> okay. So he calls the Mojave lazy and filthy, even though they bathed every and, day. Yeah, bathed every day and, you know, built houses and gardened. And uh, Stratton also changed Marianne's death, 1853, to make Olive seem more brave by being alone longer, I guess. And they Turd. just uh, failed to mention Whipple passing through and, you know, giving them that chance to escape. Stratton claimed that after the war against the Cocopas, a captive was crucified for the attempted escape. Which, yeah, because the natives Indians, were fucking known to do that shit. Yep, mm-hmm. especially the Mojaves. Yep. Not at all. 
Well, also, it was the Apaches that stole her in the first place, wasn't yep. it? Yeah. yeah. Not the yeah, pie. Oh, right. So that, uh, I'm sure all of wouldn't agree with all this, but she knew Stratton controlled whether or not it got published or not. Also, I don't think she was that strong of a reader yet at that time. So basically, she becomes kind of a captive or ghostwriter instead of a captain of the Mojave. Well, of course, Stratton gets rid of the uh, the Spansa name, too. Yes. February 1st, 1857, Stratton finished the book. Uh, Lorenzo borrowed money to pay for a run of 5,000 copies. And it was illustrated, too, so now he can oh, see all these things. Oh, fucking hell. Sweet. <laughs> oh, no. It sold out in three weeks. Second printing of 6,000 followed. Critics said the subject matter was interesting, but the writing poor. And Stratton used the second edition to uh, get back at all the critics there. I am you right good. Yep. Uh, lady abduction stories were already popular. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucked up. Okay, welcome back to, what is it, Hard On For Justice? Or <laughs> yeah, Hard On For Justice. Come on. America's first bestseller was in 1682. A true story of the captivity and restoration of Mrs. Mary Rowlandson. But the 1850 uh, Olive Book came out at a good time because this is Industrial Revolution and women were actually getting educations and mm -hmm. starting to loosen things up. Lighter workloads for them, uh, but yet they were still confined to home, so they had to have something to do. Other than slowly poison their husbands. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Antifreeze. <laughs> Some women were actually writing books themselves, too, at the time. Ooh, how dare they. In July, Stratton arranged for the book to be published in Chicago. Play opened in San Francisco that fall and starred in Junius Brutus Booth Jr. Which is? John Wilkes Booth's mom. Brother. 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 Really? They were both actors. Actor family. Mm -hmm. The play flopped, but it, it probably helped sell the book. Wow. I kind of want to read a transcript of the play. I'm sure it's... Oh, fuck. Could you imagine? Some Uncle Tom's oh, cabin. Shit. Yeah, shit. yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking like, oh my God. Yeah. People playing natives mm -hmm. in 1850-whatever. Ugh. So early 1857, Stratton moves to Santa Clara, California, and uh, with some money- Not all, Santa Carla, where all the saying, vampires are. Not where the vampires are, no. So now they have money, and they go to school. Uh, Olive studied painting, embroidery, music, history, poetry, and religion, and hair work. Wow. Hair work. Making weaves and stuff. Like oh, that. I, was, yeah. I thought you'd just get a big bag of hair, <laughs> and then you get a jar of Vaseline, and you, carve, you like create little animals. I mean, you mm -hmm. could. Sculptures and stuff. Good. Nobody's stopping you. <laughs> uh, then Stratton decides to take the book to New York City. Oh, no. Get a rope. And arrange for a third run to be published, this time 26,000. So mm. Stratton then moves his family to Albany. Olive and Lorenzo go to Manhattan to promote the book, so they get on the Today Show and all that. Yep. <laughs> Katie Couric is 200 years old. So, Olive, <laughs> tell me about your ordeal amongst the savages of the wilds. Uh, Stratton still thinks the book is his and books himself on a lecture tour, but uh, Olive and Lorenzo would speak, but it was mostly Stratton He's at the time. Dr. Phil motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They go on a tour to Illinois, and they see their aunt, uh, Sarah Sperry Abbott, who later runs a stop on the Underground Railroad. Olive would be close to her aunt in the coming years, kind of comes her mom and back until she dies. Uh, Olive returns to New York to sell the book in January 1859. Lorenzo stayed behind to work on their aunt's farm and court Edna Canefield, who is also, also Orpin. An Orpin? Orpin. 
It's like a orphan dolphin. Miami connection. Oh. We're all opens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> we are all orphans. They marry and go to Minnesota without telling Stratton, which pisses him off. Uh, he wondered where all the books Lorenzo had went. Uh, Le- Lorenzo had given 200 books to his uncle in exchange for a horse and cart to get the hell out of town. Yeah, and then he's like, all like, I printed the money for all these books I expected to make a shitload of money off of. And if I don't have my little dance monkey dance salespeople. Also, it's like, if if I read that book and I, I would want to see the people that the book is describing, right. I'd like to see them come up and talk at a fucking TED Talk right. or whatever, not this dumb fucking preacher dickhead. Right. 1859, Olive moves in with Stratton in Albany. Oh, good. Uh, Stratton refused to go to his appointment uh, by the church to Oroville, California. He planned on doing more lectures. At some point, Stratton uh, figured out that crowds wanted to hear Olive more than him. Yeah, uh, no shit. <laughs> so knowing that she couldn't rely on family for support forever, uh, Olive knew this is her one way to make yeah, money. This is her Freddie Mercury moment. Because it's kind of hard to marry somebody with a face tattoo back in... Back then. Back then, yeah. Well, depending on what that face tattoo is, even now, it could be well, yeah. difficult. I'm not marrying Charlie Manson. Yeah, just, <laughs> that, that's pretty much what I had in mind. <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, the first tattooed man to exhibit himself in public was James O'Connell. Just simply got, like, one anchor on his forearm. <laughs> Freak! <laughs> Children screamed in horror... <laughs> Ministers warn pregnant women not to look at them. Oh no. Because they might give birth to tattooed babies. Shut the fuck up. Oh, people are so fucking stupid. This was just a few years before in the forties oh, and fifties, eighteen forties. Oh my god. So basically she ended up having to marry that guy, right? Uh oh. she should have. Uh eventually Olive changes her story to match the book. That she was also a slave to the Mojave. So I guess they were savages and they made me do work. And, and they forced me to get this tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said the tattoo was uh, to keep, uh, if she recognized or escaped, that she would be recognized later. Like a brand. But Olive was a good speaker, like me, and yeah. packed houses until 1865. Iritaba, uh, he became a diplomat. That's the war chief of the Mojave yeah. there. And he went to D.C. to see the great white father. Yes. Oh, shit. And he's described as, like, what the most, pretty much, like, the most drop-dead, sexy, badass Indian of mm-hmm. all the Indians by the white press. So Olive goes uh, to see him, too. But uh, since Olive left, the Mojave were on hard times. They went to war with the Pima and the Maricopa uh, and lost 60 of their 200-some warriors, oh, which is a lot. That's that's some Russia losses. <laughs> and, of course, more whiteies were passing through their land. And the Mormons had a colony in San Berdu, and they wanted a string of settlements all the way from there to Utah, which, well, just nothing but desert. Right. <laughs> Immigrants began to pass through. They cut down trees to build a boat and let their cows graze on the Mojave crops. The Dicks. Mojave attacked and killed eight of them. Fifty soldiers came back to build a fort at the site of the attack. The Mojave attacked them. It begins. Then they came back later with 500 soldiers. So the Mojave had to let them build a fort, which is probably Fort Mojave. Yeah. Which is right next to, uh, north of uh, Lake Havasu. So just imagine all this going on with spring breakers and stuff like that. 
Colonel William Hoffman demanded 10 hostages from the Mojave to prevent future attack. How about get off their land to prevent future yeah, no attack? Mm-hmm. So the chief, uh, Kirkuk, Kirk, uh, volunteered to go, along with Muskmillan. Yep. Uncle Musky. Uh, Hoffman locked him up, which is fun to do in summer when it's 118 degrees in Yuma. Though they could see the Colorado River from their jail. They like swimming, those Mojave do. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they would, uh, the soldiers thought it was funny because they just see a bunch of heads poking out of the water, but what the hell are you going to do if it's 110 degrees? Right. Yeah, no shit. Well, dude. if you're a soldier sitting in your wool jacket and your <laughs> roofless barracks and Dive dehydration. Pick, pick fleas out of your butt. In June, they plotted an escape. Karuk grabbed a guard when they were let out for air, and he was st- uh, stabbed and shot in the head. Two others were shot. But six men made it to the river and escaped, floating off to safety. What are we going to do? They're swimming away. None of us can fucking swim. <laughs> From then on, Irataba became the leader and recognized by the federal government, not just for the Mojave, but all the tribes along the Colorado. Ah, it's fine. They're all the same. But uh, he was kind of <sighs> inclined to make peace, and even though that meant giving in to the government. But Olive goes to New York City and visits Irataba in the Metropolitan Hotel. Where uh, a few months earlier, Tom Thumb and Lavina Warren were married. Ooh, yeah. Famous P.T. Barnum midgets. Yep. Oh, you know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. What do you call him? Ge- General Tom Thumb or yeah. Colonel Tom yeah. Thumb? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Olive spoke to him in Mojave. Irritaba said Topeka still wished that she would return. Then Irritaba goes back to the Mojave. He told him never to go to a war with whites because there's too many of them. As it turns out. There's like a limitless supply of these motherfuckers <laughs> the further east you go. Yeah. Uh, he wore a major general's uniform and an ostrich plume hat. And carried a Japanese sword. Mm-hmm. Who? Who? Miritaba. No shit. Yeah. Where the fuck did he get a Japanese sword? Gifts. Gifts. Cool. Uh, but many Mojave didn't believe him when he said there was too many white people. And uh, half the tribe uh, follows him and the other half go... A little bit further south, so now today both the tribes kind of split because of that. In 1864, Olive met John Brandt Fairchild. She was lecturing in a church in uh, Farmington, Michigan. Fairchild's mother invited Olive to their home after. Fairchild had lost a brother in an Indian battle not far from the Oatman Massacre in 1854. Mm. Uh, That's when Olive was still living there. Right. Wow, they have so much in common. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Fairchild invited Olive back in 1865, and he proposed. Yay. Proposed what? Oh. Proposed. <laughs> Marriage. Got it. <laughs> wow. So they live in Michigan for a little while, and Olive remembers this as the happiest point of her life, because she was probably sad most of the other Most times. of the time, yeah. <laughs> Fairchild, before the wedding, bought every of Olive's book that he could find and burned them. Trying to erase her dark history. Right. Well, that and the bullshit. Oh, like, the book. I'm, sure, I'm sure they probably talked yeah, about this stuff. She's and, like, the book's full of shit, dude. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not what fucking happened. Or he just kind of wanted to protect her because uh, Fairchild was rich and he kind of wanted a society wife. Yeah. And uh, rumors were circulating by then that Olive had left children behind in Mojave land. In 1863, a Nevada man claimed he adopted five Indian orphans. At uh, Oatman Flats, Arizona, a stage stop, which was near the massacre site, which became Oatman, Arizona today. 
There's a town there? Yeah. Mm -hmm. No shit. They built a town on the mass crusade. I mean, that's pretty much every American town. Well, usually it's (laughs) not the white people that got massacred there. Yeah. It's usually the original inhabitants. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said one of the Orpins had light hair and blue eyes. But uh, all the children die because he fed them only meat, I guess. What? <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, that's so many layers well, they're, of bullshit. They're, they're wild children. Aren't you supposed to? Just raw steak, right? <laughs> like, a, like a wolf pup? Fairchild had come from a successful family. He was a civil engineer. His two brothers were a lawyer and a doctor. Uh, he also becomes a successful money broker. Money man. Man with money. Olive broke off their partnership with Stratton and didn't bother to tell him about her new husband, let alone invite him to the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Fuck that guy. <laughs> you know he would have been like, uh, if anybody has an ob- any objection to, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Stratton was became, becoming a little more insane every day. Mm. A female parishioner accused Stratton of gambling, bribery, and adultery, but she refused to testify him against him in public, so he presses charges on her. Oh, jeez. But basically, the damage was done, and people demanded that he quit. So he resigns his one uh, commission in 1866. But he gets another preaching job in Massachusetts. It's like when they fire cops for illegal use of force, and then they just get hired in the next precinct. Oh, yeah, totally. But his son commits suicide out west when he was 20. Finally, he was fired in 1872 and was committed to a mental institution. Oh, shit. Good. Yep. Good, fuck off, man. Because those are awesome places back then, especially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. In 1872, all moves to Sherman, Texas with Fairchild. Fairchild starts the city bank of Sherman, which made him even more richer. Fairchild was handsome, distinguished, and phlegmatic. Phlegmatic? I had to look that up, too. It means stoic. Oh. Oh, okay. Why just fucking say stoic? Well, well that's phlegmatic in the book. Yeah. I had to look it up. We learned a new word. I'm saying the person who wrote the book also no. could have said something. Trying to use uh, 75 pe- cent words when a 25 cent word rule would do. <laughs> People called him major for no real reason. But Olive was shy and reclusive uh, with a sadness that never quite lifted. But she did do charity work, taking care of children from an orphanage. In 1873, they adopt a baby girl named Mary Elizabeth, who they called uh, Mammy. Or maybe. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. I thought you were going to say Marizabeth. And uh, she switched over to uh, Episcopalian. Right. Episcopal. Lorenzo hadn't done as well. Uh, two of his young sons died of scarlet fever. Olive and Lorenzo would write to each other kind of sporadically, each saying the other didn't write often. Olive was having eye trouble, headaches, depression, and doctors called it neurothesia. <laughs> neurothesia? Neurothesia. Neurasthenia? Which means just kind of vague system symptoms. <laughs> yeah, it means like brain brain trouble. In 1882, Nora Hildeprandt became the first female tattooed exhibit. 365 tattoos. Holy shit. Lady And her backstory in all the freak shows, uh, she stole from Olive. Oh, no way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Only she said it was in the Pacific Islands or something. Something like that. Yeah. Whoa. Uh, 1891, the t- covered in Sailor Jerry tattoos, but it's like, <laughs> oh, well, this was totally done by yeah, with the- Maori tribesmen or some <laughs> shit. But the tattoo machine was invented in 1891, so that makes it a lot easier for, for you to have uh, sideshows and stuff. I want to see an 1891 tattoo machine. Like fucking like a two-stroke one-cylinder <laughs> motor. 
you're going to want to hold real still. Yeah. Oh, my eyes are burning. <laughs> Can we uh, open a door? <laughs> rumor was that Olive died in an insane asylum. Which is bullshit. But in 1875, Stratton did die in an institution. Uh, Lorenzo did name one of his sons after Stratton. That was the only one that survived. Uh, he runs a hotel in Red Cloud, Nebraska for, for most of his life there. In 1899, while building the Grand Hotel in Red Cloud, uh, Lorenzo fell ill and died. In 1903, Olive died of a heart attack. Her obituary made no mention of her Indian captivity, because it was probably censored by her husband. Fairchild had her sealed in an iron coffin, convinced the Mojave would come back and take her. Right. I mean, th- this tattoo gun you're showing me looks exactly like a regular-ass tattoo gun from now. Only with a giant spike instead of the right. interchangeable tips. Weird. Probably didn't uh, get a lot of autoclave or uh, oh no, or, yeah, uh, no. <laughs> new, new needles very often. <laughs> uh, Fairchild dies five years later. Here's like the patent. Crazy. Yeah, it hasn't really changed a whole hell of a lot. No. Fucking weird, man. Uh, their daughter uh, Mamie moved to Detroit and gave birth to a daughter named Olive, who yeah. just lived a few days. And that was her only child. Hey, at least the kid got out before she had a chance for her life to totally suck. Right. Uh, Clark Gable and Carol Lombard reportedly took their honeymoon in Oatman, Arizona. Okay. But that turned out to be false, but they still keep claiming that. Okay. Uh, and, of course, there's an episode. Actually, Clark Gable was, I always thought he had a house on uh, Hood Canal, too. But I guess that turned out to be bullshit, too. I just looked that up last Why night. Why do you know so much not about, actually, how do you misknow how, how so much about <laughs> Clark Gable? I don't know. You know all these bullshit facts? <laughs> bullshit not non facts. one day, Clark Gable crossed the Delaware and fought <laughs> off the Hessians. <laughs> uh, there's an episode of Death Valley Days that had uh, Olive's story. And who's the... Death Valley Days. Oh, uh, let's let Tony guess. It's uh, fuck. What's his name? The guy from um, the guy from uh, City Slickers. No. No. The old guy. The fucking old. Uh, what's his goddamn? What's the guy who plays Curly? No, not Jack Palance. You didn't. Not re- Jack Palance? You didn't recognize who that was. I fucking. It's Ronald fucking Reagan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's why. Oh, Don't yeah. credit Reagan. With being like Jack Palance. No, I just, I'm trying to, it was a leathery old man. I haven't seen that fucking bullshit since I was a little kid, dude. But I, I knew he talked like this, so it was either like, well, you know, Jack Palance, you, I'm a number one a guy. Yeah. But I guess it's kind of Reagan, Reagan-esque. Well, Reagan's more like, well, I suppose we'll hunt down these Mojaves. So that's it. Wow. All of Omen. Fuck, dude. I mean, it's got to suck wholesale butthole, like... Being ostensibly a free person to do what the fuck you want while you're living with the with the Mojave, right? So she gets to do whatever she wants. She doesn't have to worry about getting a job and blah, 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 all this right. bullshit. Yeah, your job is planting some stuff yeah. and, and going swimming. Fuck whoever you want and do what, do what you want to do and go swimming a bunch and stay clean. And then it's like, nope, now you got to go back to fucking white land. And be and stared like, at. And be stared at like a freak show. Oh, also, you're a woman, which means that you are property. Like, you, yeah, yeah. you don't get to do anything that you want to do. God, that sucks. Well, like we said, like later on, she started getting to, you know, she got to go to school and stuff eventually. Times times they were a yeah, ch- They let a her go to school. They were go- so, so nice of them. It was improving, not very steadily. But again, also with the chin tattoo and shit, I mean, just getting fucking right. stared at your whole well, life. Well, she did wear a veil like a lot of times and stuff. She was mm-hmm. self-conscious about yeah. it. Um, 
Should have well, should have done well in COVID. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just the like, oh, pregnant ladies, don't stare at the guy with the one tattoo because you're gonna yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. give birth to a tattooed baby. I still want to say it's God, like, damn yeah, it. I hope it was just like your anchor, just yeah. a thin line work anchor. Yeah, totally. Like straight Popeye tattoo. <laughs> oh no, it's the devil. <laughs> Fuck. So if your 11 year old have revelations from God, don't follow him into the desert. Right. I'm sure. Another... I'm sure that's um, the next turning point USA prodigy will be oh, exactly God, that. Dude. Charlie Kirk. Well, son. wasn't that already Charlie Kirk? Kind yeah, of? pretty much. Like, I know. Once, once, once he said that shit to his parents, they should have just drowned him right then right. and there and fucking have it over with. Drown, so drown him with just, love. Just put a, a wet washcloth yeah, right. over the mouth and nose. And, Pack it tight, like packing a snowball or whatever Alp Swearinger says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. So seal it tight, like packing a snowball. Holy shit, dude. Yep. Well, but sounds we, like she lived an interesting life. She did. Mm-hmm. We've been meaning on doing this. I've been requesting we do this one since, I think, season one. So yeah. I'm glad we this is, to it. This is one of them that you lost, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In the fucking the, the Google uh, it, it, it was the purge. one we were going to do last time because I had just read it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Well, fucking a, man, that was excellent. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was super cool. And then uh, what? Next week we're off, and then we're yep. back on. But you yep. out there and you won't have podcast land won't even in, fucking hear. Right. I'm going to go out to the Quillut uh, Reservation and enjoy some of their warm hospitality. And, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to bartend the my first show since we started having shows again. Oh, you'll have fun. I'm excited. I had fun at the one last night. Hell uh, yeah. Yep. Hail to the yeah. Uh, speaking of that, somebody should probably, uh, do we got an adult down at the bar? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Just say, if not, I'll be there in about 10, 15 minutes. So. <laughs> All right. With that. Uh, let's go out in a hail. Of? Brewster Wright Fire. That sounds like a mineral. <laughs> <laughs>